I'm on the track. You know how we do it, man. Oh, boy, CHP, see the phenol. Hey, you.
that stop is relying on something other than God. And this was from this was from First John the second chapter fifteen through seventeen, and it goes a little something like this: Do not love the world nor the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the, fa- the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the, of the eyes, and the boastful pride of life is not from the Father, but it's from the world. The world is passing away, and all of it's lust, and also it's lust. But
is Jermaine. Thanks for being a part of the show. Man, I'm telling you, this weekend is a weekend for boxing, enthusiasts, boxing, curious boxing, everything. Because we got some we got some really good matchups tonight. Um um, we got some really good boxing matchups tonight. And one of the boxing matchups that a lot of people are really wondering about is Anthony Joshua, Eric Molina, mean how what's gonna happen in this fight? How is it gonna happen? You know, the Dylan the Dillian White fight. Um that fight tonight in the undercard of the Anthony Joshua John Molina, Eric Molina match. And then later on tonight, you know, from Omaha we have Bud Crawford and, and uh, John Malina, um in a in a 150-pound uh, title fight. But first off, we're going to talk about Anthony Joshua. We're going to talk about uh, Anthony Joshua, Eric, Eric Molina. I mean, this is going to be a really good matchup. Um, the thing about it is, Molina's big guy. He's all faced the guy like he's faced a guy like a like a Dante Wilder's last fight where he got teach. He also fought a great a great cruiserweight who come up to be a heavyweight in Thomas Adamek and he beat Thomas Adamek. Um so you know what Eric Molina can bring to the table. We Toughness to the table. I mean, if you watch the fight with him and, and he and um, Deontay Wilder, you saw his spirit. I mean, he didn't hammered in this matchup, and he came out scot free, injury free, whereas Deontay Wilder came out with a with a ruptured bicep and a, and a broken hand. This is a tough fighter. This is a tough fight for. For Anthony Joshua, but the thing, Anthony, the difference between Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder, even though they're both power punchers, Anthony Joshua is more of a finesse. I don't want to. I don't want to call him a soft fighter. I don't want to call him. I don't want to call him. I mean, he, okay, he's more seasoned. Than Deontay Wilder will ever be. I mean, this is a guy who's had more amateur fights than Deontay Wilder. Even though Anthony Joshua didn't medal in the he he medaled in the Olympics, just like I mean, he didn't medal in the Olympics. Deontay Wilder did. He got a bronze. Anthony Joshua is one of those guys who's just he's just a rare breed. He's a great he's a great boxer. He's a great punt. He's a great boxer with with great power. He doesn't have to put that power on display because he he's got great timing on his punches, which makes him an even better fighter than makes him even more dangerous of a fighter because he can hit you with check right hands and put you to sleep. He can hit you with the big bombs and and have you and have you laid out for days. This is a guy who who just he does things so he does things so differently. So effortless in the way that he fights. He's so fluid, and everything is so. Anthony Joshua was a precise puncher with power, and when you put precision and power along with some boxing skills, with that, 
that makes you probably the most dangerous heavyweight in the division. Deontay Wilder is starting to get that, and he and under the tutelage of Mark Breland, you can see where Deontay Wilder is going, where his his ceiling is starting to go up. Anthony Joshua is the same way, and while they may be at the same the same pinnacle, I think Anthony Joshua has that little bit more ways to go because he's about three to four years younger than Deontay Wilder. See where I'm going with this. Eric Molina, on the other hand. He's fought everybody. He hasn't won a heavyweight championship, but he's fought everybody. He's fought everybody. He's beat a lot of people. I mean, Stavern, he, you know, you look at Eric Molina, the, the way that he fought Adamek, the way that he fought Deontay Wilder. I mean, this is a big, this is a big matchup, not only for Anthony Joshua, but it's a big matchup for Eric Molina. Because when we look at this, at this fight here, and the key to this fight is this, for me. Anthony Joshua has to has to establish his intent right off the top. He has to establish the right hand. He has to establish. He has to establish the right hand. He has to establish. He has to establish his jab. Use footwork. He knows Molina's going to want to touch him. And that's the one thing that, that John Molina, that, um, that Molina has talked about in his, in his interviews. Eric Molina, I'm sorry. He's talked about in the interviews is that he wants to touch Anthony Joshua. He feels like Anthony Joshua hasn't been touched. But I've seen him get touched. Dylan White, Dillian White touched him. And and put and knocked him for a loop. They knocked him down, but he knocked him for a loop. Anthony Joshua stood in there and finished the fight in ninety seconds. So that this is this is something that's just different about this fight than I've seen in a long time. Anthony Joshua. He's headed for this fight than he was for his last fight. He's 232 for this fight, if I'm not mistaken. I think it was 232 for his fight, where it was to like 226 his last fight, if I'm not mistaken. I look at Anthony Joshua and I see that he's getting bigger. And with that extra added weight, will that reduce his speed? I'm really thinking about I'm really thinking about this. I'm looking at this I'm looking at this fight and I'm thinking, is he gonna go for power or is he just getting himself ready to take punches? Here's a here's a question that a lot of people have about Anthony Joshua. We've seen him dominate fights, but we've never seen him really get in trouble. Is this a, is this a fight where he'll get in trouble? Is this a fight where he's got a chance to lose the fight? I guess Eric Molina, yes. And I say this in I say this for this reason. Eric Molina is not afraid to fight anybody. He fought he fought a Chris Ariola. No. He got knocked out. He fought Dante Wilder. 
two fights he's the real the real fights he's actually lost is is the, is this fight. But <coughs> the the question that I have for everyone is when we watch Anthony Joshua, what we what we must see from Anthony Joshua in this fight and what the questions that I've been asking people and the questions that have been asking back to me, what they think I what they think I think that he should do is this. He's gotta establish his jab. He's gotta check he's gotta check Molina with punches. Because if he doesn't check Molina with punches, Molina will just come in and he'll try to make this a brawl. Once Molina make this makes this a brawl, then Joshua has a chance to really put him away quick. But if Joshua wants wants to control the he wants to control the actual ring himself, he's gotta use his good footwork, he's gotta use a great left jab. He's got, a, he's got a very good left hook to the body, very good left hook. But you don't see it much because he, since he's dropping bombs. He's dropping bombs on people left and right, and that's what he does. Will he have to do the same with, with Molina? Probably so. He'll probably have to put things together to put him out. But I can see him hitting Molina with one punch and putting him to sleep. I can see him, put, I can see him dragging his fight out giving a clinic on how to box and how heavyweight boxes. So we've got some things that we can see. We've got some things that we, we know that we can see from Anthony Joshua. The thing about Eric Molina is, is he the type of fighter to box his way in to get the big right hand off? Because if he can get that, if he can get inside and throw his big right hand, and touch Anthony Joshua, we might see some trouble from Anthony Joshua. But Anthony Joshua's got some pretty good defense. He's got, you know, he he, he can he can roll the shoulder pretty well. He can also he's also got great quickness, and he can he can throw punches from the inside. Whereas if he's on the outside, he's throwing punches, and he gets on the end of one, you're you're gone. But if he's on the inside, he does the same thing. You're gone. So it's really, this is really a cat and mouse type game. Who gets hit hard first will dictate the fight and how it goes. Anthony Joshua has a chance to do this, and he does it. He will do it in a way that people will love to see. Now, we all know that he, that his next fight, if he can get past. Molina is to be a April matchup with Vladimir Klitschko. Whereas we're looking at Deontay Wilder who comes back in late January, early February, um, defending his WBC championship against an un- against a yet to be named opponent. But we all know that he, he is aiming to come back at the end of January, first of February to fight. We all know this. So that being said, should Anthony Joshua go after the kingpin or should he go after one of the young lines that's similar to himself? I would love to see him in a Deontay Wilder matchup and I would love to see him in a Tyson Fury matchup. I would love to see him with David Hay. I mean, there's also a question of whether David Hay will fight Deontay Wilder or does David Hay want to fight uh, Anthony Joshua, which is 
which is something that has not been said as of yet. Even though we know that there was a Twitter war between the two. And Eddie Hearn is not making it any better by not making this fight. Kind of like what he's doing by not making the fight between Triple G and Chris Eubank Jr., which is a big mistake. You know, but, you know, that's another, that's another story for another time. For, for John Molina to, to win this fight, he's got to get inside. He's got to land punches early. He's got to establish, he's got to establish getting in, inside. Whereas Anthony Joshua, he can stand outside and punch you and he can put you to sleep with punches and he can do it from the inside. He's got more of a chance to get on the inside with Anthony Joshua because Anthony Joshua is more of a, he's a stand-up fighter who uses his height to his advantage. John Lee Jr. is not that much shorter than he is. He's got about he's got about a two to three inch, he's got about an inch and a half, two inches um, disadvantage to Anthony Joshua. But here's the thing: John Lee has got some he's got some power in his hands. He's lost three fights. He's been knocked out twice, but he's been knocked out once, TKO'd another time. Here's the thing about. Eric Molina, that a lot of people don't know. He's got he's got a very powerful right hand. We have not seen it in the last few fights because he hasn't. We haven't seen it. We didn't see it much in Deontay Wilder fight because Deontay Wilder just pretty much just kept a jab in his face the whole night, jabbed him pretty much jabbed him asleep the entire night. But the other thing that that we haven't seen. When he fought Chris Ariola, he didn't look like the same fighter. When he fought Thomas Adamek, he looked like a world beater. And that's what set up the fight with Deontay Wilder. So if we see that fighter who fought Thomas Adamek, and we see that fighter who fought Deontay Wilder and gave Deontay Wilder fits at times because he couldn't put him away, Anthony Joshua could could really do some damage in this fight if I mean I'm sorry, Molina can really do some damage in this fight. Because like I said, Anthony Joshua hasn't been tested. His chin hasn't been tested. Molina has the power to test a chin. Molina has the power to chin check somebody. But we haven't seen that in the last couple of fights because he hasn't been the same fighter. Adamek, he just he outboxed Adamek. Adamek got tired and he and he had to he had to quit. That was that was the main thing about that fight. But we're looking at like I said, we're looking at a guy who can I mean, who can really win the fight. I mean he really can. He's got a puncher's chance. But that means he's got to get inside the boxing of Anthony Joshua. And the way that he can get inside the boxing is he those punches to the body, he gets into the body, boom, boom, up, up, get inside, get in his distance. He's going to have to get in the pocket. He's going to have to come in the pocket from time to time. And that's what was going to lead the danger of the check right hands that can put you down, that can put, that can put him down. But does he have to – 
Melina have the chance to take those check right hands? Good question. Good question. Does he have the chance to take those take those check right hands when when Dante Joshua throws him? Another another point is can he get past can he cut off the ring? He's very good at cutting off the ring. So is Anthony Joshua. Can he cut off the ring enough to get inside and throw punches and, and touch and touch Anthony Joshua? Will he stay in the pocket long enough to get off his big right hand and hurt Anthony Joshua? He's talking a good game, but talking a game and actually being in the game is two totally different things for me. I like what Molina's saying because he's right in what he's saying. Nobody's touched him. I'm going to knock him out because nobody's touched him and he hasn't been the guy in the ring with the guy with my power. Which is possible. Which is true to an extent. I mean, Gotta you know, gotta say, Dillian White is probably the closest thing to his power that Joshua's been in the ring. But we saw saw what he did to it, to to Dillian White ninety ninety one seconds, and he put him to sleep. So if you can do the same thing, then I really want if you can if you can get in there and you do the same thing that that Dillian White did, where he touched him with one punch and and and. Knock him for a loop, but then you can see where he got himself together and was like, "Yeah, I need to put you away." So, what makes you think that he won't do the same thing to you that he did to that he did to the Dylan White? That's the that's the bigger question. I don't think he'll put him away. I think this fight goes at least six rounds. Um, I can see Anthony Joshua winning this fight six round six round TKO or or a little earlier. I mean not discounting the heart of Eric Molina. I'm not gonna discount his heart because I've seen him fight. I've seen him fight a number of times. I know what he can do as a fighter. I mean, he's a great fighter. So we can't we can't just discount Eric Molina in this fight. But don't sleep on him. Don't sleep on on Eric Molina getting an upset. I just he's got that boxer's chance because of the way he fights. He does have a boxer's chance, but I just don't think that we'll see. I just don't think we'll see a guy. This I don't think we'll see Joshua give up something like that. I just don't. I just don't see. It. I just don't see him being lazy and lax. Against a guy like Eric Molina, I just don't see it. I just don't. I don't. You know, we talk about you know that undercard is just, that undercard is a deep undercard. I mean, like a real deep undercard. Um, Luis o, Luis Ortiz and David Allen. That's actually going to be a fight that's going to be on HBO. That's going to be um, tape delayed, and that's just shown on HBO. Um, <clears throat> whereas. Dylan White, Derek Chisora, Um, I'm not sure if that's going to be shown. Connor Ben, who um, is the son of Nigel, is on this is on this on this card as well. He'll be fighting at at um, Super Lightweight tonight. 
Marcus Morrison, who's a great, another great um another great young young British fighter. David Allen is a good heavyweight who's who's starting to get known. Uh who's starting to be known as a as a as a really good fighter. Um he's fighting with Luis Ortiz who who's you know, who's a knockout artist. Jose Burton, Frank Buzziani. These are two great, these are two good British light heavyweights that could be on the cusp of getting themselves into world title contention. This is a big fight for this. Scott Quigg, former former champion. Um, we haven't seen him fight since... Um, Since his fight with Scott, since his fight with Carl Frampton, um, he's gonna fight Jose Caetano for the for a lineal belt um, to get himself back into title contention. Um, Callum Smith, another good fighter who's ranked right now at 168. Uh, Callum Smith, Luke Blacklitz, they're they're really putting themselves in a position to where they can challenge the likes. Of a James DeGale or or um, or by the Jack um, in the super middleweight division, Luis Concepcion, Kaya fight. This is a big time fight here because <laughs> these two 118 pound fighters, they can go. Concepcion is one of those guys. If you haven't seen him fight yet, I'm telling you, you We'll see a freaking treat with this guy. So we'll tie fi these guys can these guys can really go. Really fast hands, really I mean power power punchers right here. Power punchers from the lower weight classes with speed. Oh boy. Oh boy. That's all I can say about that. Oh boy. <clears throat> and then of course the the Dillian White Derek Shore uh matchup. For the vacant British Heavyweight Championship, Derek Short actually got fined twenty five thousand twenty five thousand pounds from the uh, British Boxing Board of Controls for throwing a table <laughs> at Dillian White, and Dillian White did not even move one inch. So we're very, I'm very excited to see what's going to happen here. I'm very excited to see what's going to happen in the next few weeks, the next few months. Next week, you got. I mean, next week you you've got um you've got um former middleweight and light heavyweight champion um Bernard Hopkins in his farewell fight, and this is not this not easy fight that he has, you know. So we're looking at we're looking at some big time fights here in the next few weeks, in the next in the next few, in the next few hours. This whole undercard. It's pay-per-view quality card if people would actually look at the British boxing the way that I do, look at boxing as a whole the way that I do. This is a card and a half. This is a really good card. The undercard is probably the best card. The undercard is, is a good card. Just bar none. Bar none. I mean, um, I'm just, I, I, like I said, I'm just excited to see, to see what's going to happen in the Luis Ortiz, um, David Allen fight. I just want to see what's going to happen in that fight. I want to see 
the Jose Burtons and Frank Buglioni. I want to see. I want to see Scott Quigg, uh, who fought who fought Carl Frampton last week. You know, <laughs> moving up in weight. You know, I mean, Tyre Five. You know, Luis Concepcion. I mean, Callum Smith. I'm not, Callum Smith. I think is probably the most talented super middleweight in Britain that's not named James DeGale. I mean, I can I can honestly say that. You know, not named James DeGale. Callum Smith is, is on that level. Now, if he can get past this fight against Luke Blackledge, will that set up a fight between him and James DeGale? That's a good question that I would love to hear and I would love to see that fight. I would love to see it. Love to see it. I mean, there's no other way I can I can even put that and just the excitement that I would have for that fight alone. I I mean it could be that great. Um, you know, we I can go on and on and on about this fight. You know I can go on and on about these fights from from uh, Manchester tonight, but I mean, there's so many other fights. There's, so, there's, there's another good fight tonight that, that nobody's really talked about. And, you know, that's Terrence, that's Terrence Bud Crawford and and uh, John Molina Jr. I mean, it, uh, I'm, I'm going to put it this way. This, this fight here, Has, I mean, it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a good fight, bad fight. As much as I would love to see this fight, and the fact that it's not going to happen, going to be a type of fight, I, it, it really bothers me. As much as I was looking forward to seeing this fight, is how much I don't want to see this fight now. Let me explain. Dominic Jr. missed weight by four friggin' pounds. You missed weight by four pounds. And I look at and we'll, we'll get to we'll get to UFC we'll get to UFC as well. But I'm looking at guys who are going in to championship fights and the, this is a big money fight for you. Not only is this a big money fight. None of this a big money fight. We're looking at guys. <laughs> I mean, once again, I mean, I, I'm and, and I forgot and, and I failed to mention, Luis Concepcion lost his belt because he was two he was two pounds over. What what is it about these guys and their training? 
I'm <clears throat> one second. But my thing is, you missed weight by four pounds. You beat Bud Crawford, which is a which is the likelihood of that happening is the likelihood of Donald Trump getting impeached next week. Not gonna happen. Okay. This is what makes this fight so exciting for me. What made this fight so exciting for me was the same thing that made this fight exciting for me with Luis Concepcion um, and Kaya Fai was the fact that there's a lot of styles clashing in this matchup. Luis Concepcion, I mean, I just can't believe he missed weight by two pounds. I mean, I all, we already know that I, I we did, we had the we had the suspicion that he was gonna go up to 118 or he was gonna go up to 122. He want he wants the big money fight with Chocolatito. We all know this. We all know that he's chasing in a way as well. But here's the thing that really gets to me about these fighters, especially the John Molinas of the world, especially. The Luis Concepcion's of the world. Dominic Jr. is a great fighter. Concepcion is just absolutely dangerous. But if you're not going to train right, you're not going to diet right, you're not going to eat right, why are you doing, why are you in the sport? Period. A lot of people have put a lot of money into watching this fight. A lot of people have put bets on this fight. Now those bets are for not because even though you're heavier, you've given yourself a disadvantage. So that means that the people who bet on you, they don't get paid. They get what they 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 put the money that they put down on their bets. They're getting back. Here's the here's the thing about here's the thing that really irks me about this. You're in a title fight. You're getting paid. To make weight, you're getting paid to give to get to not only do yourself a justice by fighting, but giving your opponent justice to fight. I mean, you're pretty much for me, for me, listening to watching these watching these guys not make weight is just like disrespecting not only the fans, not only your not only the fans, the purists. I mean, the casual fan, the real fan, the purist, and the writers who, who actually look at, who actually think the world of you as a fighter, you pretty much slap everybody in the face. And that's, that's total disrespect, not only to yourself, but to the fans and to the sport, of, to the sport itself. Because that's embarrassing. This is a this is a thing. This is an epidemic that needs to stop. And I understand that that some that some you know some 
some promoters and some and some boxing organizations they do their weigh-ins two nights before <coughs> to give you a chance, you know, to two nights before to get dehydrated. Some people give you 24 to 36 hours to rehydrate, to get yourself together, to do all the things that you need to do to get into, to make a fight a fight. When you don't do things the right way, you get these kind of results. Now, if you're injured in training, that's another story. But if you're just lazy and you're not doing the things that you need to do, then there's something that has to be done in order to in order for this not to happen again. And here's here's the thing about that. You know, we talk about, you know, they're giving up a, an amount of their purse. They shouldn't give up an amount of their purse. They should give their whole purse to they should give their whole purse to their opponent. Because you give them the disrespect of not making weight when you're contractually obligated to make this weight, that makes you look real dumb. John Molina, he's three pounds short of of the welterweight limit. 147. I want to see uh, here's the thing about here's the thing about this fight because he's that much over Here's the thing about this fight that I would love to see. I would love to see Terrence Crawford fight a heavier fighter now. I mean, even though it's not it's not an interest of me too much anymore because of what he what John Molina did to lose the weight, but we know that there's big money fights for Terrence Crawford in the at the next weight class. We know that there is. You've got You've got the Keith Thurmans. You've got the Scott. You've got the Sean Porters. You've got, um, I mean, you got Danny Garcia. You got, um, Kel Brook. I mean, Bradley, Mayweather Jr. Um, I mean, and then at forty, and now that. Now that you have Pacquiao at 40, who's fought at 47 his last five, six fights, what makes you think that you can't make that fight for for, for Tesla Crawford? I want to see what he can do with a heavier fighter. Because at 140, there's no other fight to be made. Now he goes up to forty seven. You've got not only do you have the aforementioned fighters like that, but you have another guy that nobody's really talked about in, in, in a while in Adrian Bronner, who's looking to get into a title fight. And I know that he's a I know that he's a world champion. He doesn't want to touch the Keith Thurman. He doesn't want to touch the Sean Porters. 
Kel Brook called him out. What makes you think that Terrence Crawford could step up and fight those guys at 47? I think Terrence Crawford is looking at this fight right now. And he sees the fact that John Lennon Jr. weighed in at 44. You know what? He can actually use this fight as a litmus test if he really wanted to. And, and think about this, what I'm about to say. Crawford can use this as a litmus test for two reasons. He can see if he can fight a bigger fighter. A, he can work on things that he needs to work on. I know one of the things that he that he did disappointed about from his last fight was the fact that he got touched a lot in that last fight. He didn't. He was sloppy in his defense. He he said that. He felt like he was very sloppy in his defense. But. He got out of it with a win. Can he get out of Omaha? Can he get out of uh, fighting John Melinda Jr. and winning the fight? This is a good this is a good question. And I'm gonna tell you how how Terrence Crawford can win this fight. Terrence Crawford goes from Southpaw to conventional just as fast as anybody this is fast as anybody. He's got power in both hands. <coughs> He's a great boxer. He's a great boxer with underrated power. A lot of people say he's got great power. A lot of people talk about his boxing before they talk about his power. This is a guy who's got great footwork. He can cut you off. He can cut you off and lead you in the traps just as quick as he can as you as you do you leave him. You leave him just wide for, for shots in the middle of the ring. Terrence Crawford can do this. If he can establish his jab in whatever in whatever stance he's in, and he starts throwing the power punches behind it, he starts using that hand speed, he starts using his footwork to get past Molina's power shots, which is a good left hook and a good right hand. He throws the right hand to the body real good. He throws the left hook to the body real good. You know, he throws a really good, great uppercut to John Molina. But so does Terrence Crawford. Terrence Crawford is a complete fighter. Terrence Crawford reminds me of Terrence Crawford reminds me of a guy like an Andre Ward. Very cerebral fighter who unlike Ward has power in his punches. Unlike Ward who Ward can switch from, switch from softball to, you know, they both can switch from softball to conventional or, you know, and back and not get hurt. So we're looking at, we're looking at, at, guy, at a guy like Terrence Crawford, who is a complete fighter, who is just absolutely scary. Now, if he, if he decides that, hey, he beats John Molina, he's got options if he beats John Molina Jr., He's got options. He can call out the Pacquiao's. He can possibly go up to 47. 
throw his name into the hat into the bit into one of the in, into the best weight class in all of boxing, which is one forty seven weight. He can throw his name into that hat. He would possibly be on that top five pound for pound fighters list that I think that he deserves to be on. A lot of people say, hey, he hadn't fought he hadn't fought that many people. Bullcrap. You fight a Victor Postal who people don't know who really didn't know about. And you saw how good he was. I've seen Victor Postal fight before. I saw how good he was. I saw him fight at 35. He fought a great Mexican fighter and beat him to death, pretty much. I seen him go up to 40 and fight some of the best guys at 40 and won those fights. Terrence Crawford has gone from 30 to 35 to 40 and dominated every match that he's been in in those three weight classes. Now, is it time for Terrence Crawford to move up to 147? And the reason why I say why I say it's time for him to move up to 47, you have big money fights there. But if you say at 40, you have one big money fight, and that's the fight with Manny Pacquiao. Which is a really good payday. He's in a really good payday tonight. I mean, he's hitting a million-dollar payday tonight from fighting in Omaha. You know, being a part of an HBO card. This this here is as good. This, this is as good as advertised fight. And I hope people watch this fight anyway simply because we get to see one of the best pound-for-pound fighters in the world fight. Terrence Crawford is a pound-for-pound top 10 fighter in the world. Point blank, period. I said it. Take me to the bank. We're going to take a quick station break. We'll be right back. We'll come back. We're going to talk more about We're going to talk more about this, about this fight. We're going to talk more about this card. Y'all stay tuned.
hell of a night. The drinks, women, the aim, bringing the same thing. Your mind locking, the lames rocking the same bling. The bed swinging, the Z's clinging the same dream. What? Uh. A low limit, what the frame brings. <laughs> low limit, what the frame brings. We up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit, what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. Go. But hold up, let them fix it in. No pills, it's still limitless. <laughs> Recouping the true essence, the legends who passed on, live forever while we reminisce. True precision, I give forever and never miss. Signature sound like signing down on a dotted wind. Seeing signs of you clown rappers on common shit. Trading in your word for green faces and diamond whips. Copping medallions while my people starve. I think the public getting blind to what honesty is. I heard life is stage play a part But we ain't trying to be a part of this comedy biz Cause ain't it funny, I'm holding like no grudges As long as your hoes love it and money just keeps coming Trying to rain on your fire by burning my whole budget A lie where y'all liars rely on the same subject The drag women the aim bringing the same thing Your mind locking the lames rocking the same bling The bed swinging, the Z's clinging the same dreams uh, A low limit what the frame brings Low limit what the frame brings we up late again, plotting on the same thing. Low limit what the frame brings. We up late as hell, plotting on the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. Plotting on the same. Plotting on the same. On the same thing. A low limit what the frame brings. A low limit what the frame brings, yeah. A low limit what the frame brings, uh. Applying on the same things, yeah. I'm about to get a choir in here. Plotting on the same things. We just plotting on the same things, yeah. Plotting on the same things. We up late as hell, plotting on the same things. Trotting on the same thing, trotting on the quest to with a guess, that's what the fame brings. Come and be my guest, you can get blamed, man. Let me get my dragon out the den. Let me maintain the flow as I craft it with my pet. I'm a master with the rapping, can't be matched by many men. Cause I passed you when I traveled down the path you've never been. Staying active with this passion, try and stack up all this gen. Try and up all the cabbage, silly rabbit with a spin. I'm a savage, call me Ben. Sending rappers turn to dirty bastards when I have to dip. Instrumentals can get ripped. Shooting lyrics off my men, don't make you rap. Get the memo like I'm deadly with the clips That's a semi-automatic You can bet we bring the havoc Load the barrel, let them have it Just be sure to leave your address I'm addressing all the rappers Playing dress up You in the wrong sector Thought I'd tell you the rap game is not a pageant It's tragic Since a young and been busting bum To get out the gutter Avoiding trouble and now I'm buzzing Due to this hunger I'm busting bubbles Waking brothers up from slumbers Now I'm no longer the underdog I'm heating up this summer No more dreaming, only action Me my team gon' make it happen We just scheming, strategizing why you guys are steady napping, treasure my presence like pirate chest, I'm spitting crack, release the cracking, cow moving back, and so I hope you rappers started packing, hey, dead and evicted, and even claws know that the boys' bars are gifted, we making noise, neighbors might call the boys, they tripping, might leave a sticky note with a message, you just missed this, hey, we've been working hard, people never stop that hating, only seem to quiet down when Kyle finally elevating, early flights and elevators take me to my destination, 17 and getting green, but we ain't even met the fame yet. There's too much money here. I mean, nobody should be hitting lotto for 36 million and we got people starving in the streets. 
That is not idealistic. That's just real. That is just stupid. There's no way Michael Jackson should have, or whoever Jackson, should have a million thousand, drupal billion dollars and then there's people starving. There's no way. There's no way that these people should own planes and their people don't have houses, apartments, shacks, drawers, pants. I know you're rich. I know you got $40 billion, but can you just keep it to one house? You only need one house. And if you only got two kids, can you just keep it to two rooms? I mean, why have 52 rooms and you know there's somebody with no room? It just don't make sense to me. It don't. Welcome back to the Press Box of the Tailgate Crew. My name is Jermaine. The main event is in the building. I'm so excited to talk to talk MMA and, and, and combat sports with everybody. And, you know, one of the things that, that really that, that I'm really excited about tonight is 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 the UFC 206 card as well. I mean, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to double dipping, double duty today, you know, watching – Watching boxing on on Showtime, you know they had the Joshua fight um, on Showtime at five thirty. Then I'm gonna be watching the Showtime card, which is later on tonight, as well as the HBO card, which is later on tonight. And I, I'm just gonna be watching intently. I'm gonna be watching these these title fights, and I'm gonna be one of those who's gonna be a critic. I'm gonna be one of those who's going to Score the fights as I see them. I'm going to score the fights, you know, as objectively as I possibly can. And, you know, I know a lot of people thought that, thought I was crazy about the whole Andre the whole Andre Ward fight, but, you know, that was the way that I, I that, that's past tense. We're going to talk about UFC 206 now. And once again, we, um, Looking at looking at this card as a whole, we have an interim title fight, uh, Max Holloway against Anthony Pettis. Uh, and once again, as we've had the same epidemic in boxing, we've had the same epidemic for for uh, MMA as well. Anthony Pettis um, coming into a title fight. Three pounds over. One forty-eight. Is one forty-eight at the official weigh-in? Um, three pounds over. Uh, was not given another chance to to weigh in again because he was that far over weight. Um, Max Holloway weighed in at one forty-five. Pettis forfeit twenty percent of his purse. Also, he will not if he wins this fight. He will not be given a chance to to be the interim featherweight champion, um, that honor only goes to Max Holloway if he wins. Um, very sad about this. I'm, I'm, I'm sad about this as well because here's the thing about this fight that a lot of people don't understand. Anthony Pettis is is a guy who I just I think the world of. I, I think that he's probably one of the best fighters in the, in the world. I think what he does with it, what he does in MMA is so different. I mean, he he's a he's a great karate practitioner who has really good 
all around still. But here's the here's the the here's the the thing that that I, I don't understand. You have such a great you have such a great who really a fifty five fighter who's just looking for a challenge looking for a challenge, you actually end up hurting yourself. You know, down to forty five to fight to fight another really good Matt Holloway who was as good as they come. I mean that's the thing about this I mean, you know, you have a good fighter who's looking for a challenge. You have another great fighter who's looking to for the top and fighting Anthony Pettis has come up of of immense proportions. Because Anthony Pettis, who's a former 155 champion, has the likes of Conor McGregor, Rafael dos Anjos, um, Eddie Alvarez, the possibility of a Michael Chandler coming into the UFC pretty soon, as well as a Ben Askren who is the UFC pretty soon may be coming to fight at. 55 and not 70 as rumored. With that being said, we look at look at Max Holloway, we look at very similar body styles. Max Holloway very long, linky guy. Anthony Pettis, very long, linky guy. Anthony Pettis, Rupert Sport guy, really good, really good with feet. You know, those really good, those nice kicks from anywhere. Those pretty good punches can wrestle, can can wrestle, and is a bit of a submission specialist. He he will submit you if when he when he can, and he will submit you. He will submit you if given the opportunity to. Now we I look at this, I look at Matt Holloway, Anthony Patterson. I look at it this way: Matt Holloway got some great wrestling skills. He's also got some really good. I mean, is it, it's very hard for me to say things about Matt Holloway that I say that I have said about Anthony Pettis. Matt Holloway, but he does things a little bit different. He's a he's an all action fighter. He can. He can take you down. He will stand up with you. Throw the kicks. He can throw kicks. And he, you know, he can throw He likes throwing spinning attacks. He likes throwing, he likes just, just touching you, putting hands on you. He's, throwing, he, he's, he's a very versatile fighter who is very good at making things He's very good at making the worst possible. How can I put this? He's very good. He's very good and adept at making the very, very worst positions that he can be in. He can use those positions to his, to his advantage. If that makes sense. Whereas Anthony Pettis, he's so calculated. He's so. He's so. Smooth 
and you know he's so one track in, in, in his plan in his game plan that sometimes he gets himself caught up in sometimes he gets himself caught up in in somebody else's game. And that's the whole point that yes, there is there is a pretty much of a precedent between what he does and how he does. I mean, Dos put it on him, you know. Um, we look at what and Sarone got caught and got beat. I mean, so we know that Pettis can make things happen. We know Max Holloway can make things happen. And Holloway is a long, like I said, he's a long, lanky guy who can just do things just totally different from anybody else because of the way that he's built. He can land long kicks. He can land. I mean, he can land heavy punches and all this good thing. But here's the thing about this. Matt Holloway has caught out Jose Aldo, Jose Aldo on more than one occasion. Aldo wanted to fight Conor McGregor. That's the only fighter that he wanted to fight. Okay. Conor McGregor is a two-division world champion. You've said that you've stripped Conor McGregor to make competitive fights. Here's the thing about Conor McGregor that, that he said. Conor McGregor hasn't been stripped. Now you've gone back and said, yes, he has stripped because of we want to make things competitive again in the featherweight division. We want to make things competitive in, in, in lightweight at 155. You know, we can't do that with a two-division champion fighting just for, you know, fighting once in seven months. Okay, here's the thing. We look at, we can talk about what done at 45 since fighting Jose Aldo at 45. He knocked out Jose Aldo. His next fight was supposed to be at 55 against against Dos Anjos for the championship. What happened? Dos Anjos pulled out of that fight and he fought Nate Diaz. He got beat by Nate Diaz. Next fight out, he fought Diaz again. He beat Diaz. Next fight out. Fight Eddie Alvarez fifty five. What he beat Eddie Alvarez. We go back to before Jose Aldo. He knocks out Chad Mendez. That's five fights in a little over over 18 months. This is a guy who said that he would love to fight four times a year. He's won titles in weight class in another organization, and he fought six times in that year. He won all six fights in that year, defending both titles in that weight, in those weight classes, 45 and 55. What makes you think he can do it at the UFC level? This is a guy who's driven competition. He's driven by set. He's driven by a constant 
love of competition, love for sport. Not saying that these other fighters are, but I'm saying I'm regular to look at a guy who will fight anybody and say anybody in the not be afraid of anybody. That's the man to look at. You're now that you have him full at 55, which where I think he should be at anyway, and not 55. We look at 55. We look at the we look at the fight set. We can make it 55 now. Now that you've got him out of 45, as a champion again, as the as the undisputed champion, and then you've got. The Max Holloway Aldo matchup that you can make, or you can make Aldo or Aldo if he wants to go to 55 days after Conor McGregor, he can do that too. But here's the thing: when you chase after a guy like Conor McGregor, and he gets those spinning kicks going, he gets not only the spinning kicks, but he gets the left hand going. He gets he gets the combination going. He has a way. He gets. He gets to doing all the things that he does as a fighter. You're in trouble. Here's the other thing that, that really makes this fight for me a really difficult fight for me. And it's this. Okay. We look at we look at we look at a Matt Boy who's fought at 55. I think he's more suited at 55, but his body, he doesn't put on enough weight to make 55. I think, I think he fought at 55. He fought at like 154, 154 and a half, 154 and a half pounds. That's where, he, that's where he was when he was 55. I don't think he ever made a 55 limit or a 55 and a half limit. I don't think he ever made it past 55. Um, Max has 55. We think he did. 55. Anthony Pettis has fought at 55. These guys who fought at the big weights, Holloway has to use his wrestling. He has to use his distance. He has to use kicks to keep the distance from Anthony Pettis getting in and his kicks getting in using his, using his He's got punching power. So we've got some fights that got to fight that they can make with this. Okay? We, this will this will this will be a, a good fight. Now, I look at other, I look at other parts of this fight of this card, and I'm thinking, hmm, there's other there's other parts in this card that just looks really good, like really good. You know, we haven't talked about. I'm, I'm I'm starting to look at this card again, and I'm and I'm just thinking, hmm, can this card be better than what we had last night, which was a card. I, I didn't I didn't exactly watch the whole card, but I did watch um, one of the fights, and and it was and it was a red red rather eventful fight, you know. So uh, from that standpoint, but you know I look at. I, mean, I look at the UFC as a whole, and I'm I'm not liking what I'm seeing, especially ownership, especially with everything. Don't the fight. I just I I just don't like it. I, I don't like it at all. 
Uh, you know, I'm looking at, I'm looking at the main card, and I'm like, I'm like, Don Strong and Matt Brown, that that has fireworks all over it. Cliff Swanson, the whole choice, that, that, that just, that's got fireworks all over it. Tim Kennedy, Kelvin Gasolum. I mean, Tim Kennedy's a wrestler who can who can drop bombs. Jordan Mean, um, another guy, wrestler who can drop bombs. Emil Meek is a is a is a Canadian is a Canadian guy who I've seen fight a couple of times. Um he's also an ultimate fighter fighter as well, if I'm not mistaken. Um and I'm I'm just really excited about that fight. And then I'm looking at then we look at I'm looking at the at the undercards. The undercard. This is a loaded, loaded card. I mean, the flyweight fight, Mikowski Ortiz. That that's just that's got fireworks written all over it. Jason Sago, who and Rustam Kabilov. You know, I can't remember which one missed weight there. Somebody missed weight there. Uh, John Modesky, Lando Venata. Another heavy hitter card. Another heavy hitter fight where Modesky can. Put people to sleep quickly with one with one right hand. Venata, Venata can put you to sleep with all the kicks that he does and all the punches that he throws. He's also a submission fighter who can who could really submit you if he really want. He could really submit you and hurt you. Um, looking at looking at the women's fight, Valerie Letourneau who took the fight on. I think she. I think she actually took the fight on short notice. If I'm mistaken. Um. Right, okay. So there was a fight that the Valerie Eternal was actually in a fight here and against another fighter. She actually had the fighter pulled out from her, so there's another fighter coming in and they 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 they, they agreed on a catch weight. Olivia Oban Mercier Trudober, again, another good fight. Olivier is a he's a guy who is a He's a tri-star. He's a tri-star fighter. He also uh, does a little bit of training down in um, down in Albuquerque at, at uh, Jackson Winkle John. It's another. He's a, it's another good guy who can just who can wrestle. Um, great overall MMA fighter. There's no real strength over the other with this guy. Then we look at Nikita Krylov and Misha Misha Shukinov. These are two fighters. Your Eastern European fighters who both can just lay leather. They both can do things. They 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 they're they're of the sambo style that we've seen before from from the, the likes of um, a former heavyweight champion of the past, um, Andre Alaski. Also, a guy like. Um, a guy like a Fedor Emelianenko who who can who fights in that style as well, but he's more known for throwing his big right hand than he is anything else. So you know we we're looking at we're looking at at a fight of this magnitude that could just that could really take down the house. This card by itself is just absolutely amazing. And it's an amazing card that been even. Better if there was a title fight on this card. If you look at it, 
And, um, you know, it, it's it's a sad thing to see it, but, you know, I'm just really excited to, to see the fights. Um, this actual, this card, I'm really excited to see this card. Um, You know, Tim Kennedy, who was supposed to fight in Rashad Evans' 185 debut, and it's just not happening for him right now. Um, So, I mean, I'm I'm just really excited just to see what's going to happen with with Rashad Evans. Um, You know, this this fight's been pulled off two cars now. Is Rashad Evans healthy? Is Rashad Evans healthy? And what's the actual deal with Rashad Evans, you know, um, Tim Kennedy needs to get back into the octagon. He needs to get back into, into the ring and, and do the things that he, that he needs to do to get himself back on, on that, onto that main stage. Cause I know that the one fight that he's really pining that he really wants is a Luke Rockhold fight. He really wants to fight Luke Rockhold again. He really wants to fight he wants to fight the the eighty five. He wants to be back in in the eighty five title hunt, and this would this is a good fight for him to be a part of. It's a good fight for him, you know, Kelvin Gastelum, who's in that cusp. He's he's on he's a top fifteen fighter. So is so is Tim Kennedy. But thing about it is, Tim Kennedy wins this fight. That bumps him up a little bit, especially with some of the other injuries and some of the other things that are going on with with um with some of the fights you know, some of the fighters and their suspensions and also the injuries. So I mean it's 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 a real it's a real go getter type opportunity for 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 Tim Kennedy as well. Um looking at other parts looking at other you know, this car is great, but you know you got a you got a car coming up next week so that I'll be talking about, and I, I'm I'm excited about this. I'm excited. I'm not as excited about the pay per view card as I am about this card. And we'll talk about we'll talk about this card next week, but um, but um, this is in Sacramento, um. Headliner, uh, team alpha male, uh, women's fighter Paige Van Zant fights Michelle the Karate fights Michelle Watterson the Karate Hottie, and I'm really excited about this fight because I'm really I want to see these two go at it because because this is this is a fight that has title implications on it. Sage Northcutt, Mickey Gall. Um, Mickey Gall called out Sage Northcutt. Sage Northcutt um, took some time off. I mean, Sage Northcutt had fought six. I mean, fought six times in just over ten months. In just over a ten month span, but we all he was ready to, you know, he to take a break. and lost his last fight, and he actually went into that fight sick. So he's recovered. He's he's ready to get back to fighting. He wants to be back active again. And I'm looking at this card. This card, this 
Wallace has some really good good fights too. Um, Eddie Wallace, uh, Mizugaki, Takeo Mizugaki, who they fought each other before in the WEC. Leslie Smith, Irene Aldana. Irene Aldana is a newcomer. Leslie Smith fought fought um, fought for the uh, women's bantamweight title against um, against Ronda Rousey. Uh, got beat. James James Munasari, Alex Morono, that's got that's got that's got fireworks all over, over it. Brian Barberina, Kobe Covington, that's got fireworks all over. Cole Miller coming back from injury, fighting Mizuto Hirota, who Mizuto Hirota, if you if you've ever heard of this guy, was the guy who got his arm destroyed by uh <laughs> got his arm destroyed by um. Um, oh my God, I can't think of what his name is now. Um, his 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 name has just slipped my mind, but um, he's actually he's actually world champion right now. So, um, but yeah, Hirota he, he's he's fighting Cole Miller. Cole Miller, um, again coming back off the shelf, also um. Coming back, you know, coming back off the shelf, and also um, is a new father again. So, you know, um, so that that kind of, that happened to him as well. Then we're looking at the main card again. You know, the Paige Van Zandt, Mickey Gall, you know, Paige Van Zandt, Michelle Waterson fight, Chase Northcutt, Mickey Gall, Uriah Faber, his final. Um, this is farewell fight. He's going to fight Brad Pickett. Um, and uh, Alan Jaban, um, another prospect, big time prospect, against Mike Perry, who's making his promotional debut. So, just a really big time. This is a big time card. This is this is awesome. I mean, it, it's a nostalgic card because you're seeing Uriah Faber come back, and you're gonna see him. Be in, be in the fight for the final time. And, you know, he's one of the few guys who's who's had his a really good amount of his career um, spent a really good amount of his career in the UFC and and with Zufa uh, as a whole. Um, 38 years old now and, you know, just a great guy. Just a, he's a great guy. He's a great ambassador for mixed martial arts, and you know you hate to see him go, but you know you kind of figured that that this was gonna that it had to happen. Um, so I mean that's just the way that that life is. But you know then we then we talk about you know there's another there's another card you know that that we talk about, and it's just like I said. The month of December for for the UFC is is really big. And, um, the New Year's Eve the New Year's Eve weekend card is just that's going to be amazing. So um, so yeah, I'm, like I said, I'm just excited for for this card and you know Mikoski. I mean, if you remember. Makoski from Bellator. I mean, he's coming to Bellator, and 
He's coming from Bellator to the UFC and making his making his he actually making uh, his second fight in the UFC. So, you know, I'm just really excited just to see just to see everything, you know, go on in this fight in those fights as well. Now talk about the Army Navy matchup, but I'll just say this, man. I mean, if you wanna see some big time matchups, um you know, we haven't talked about the Army Navy game yet, and it's a big matchup. I mean, for for, for the first time in a long time, you've got for first time in a very long time, you have Army, you have Navy, both have winning records. Army has just made it just big time. You know, big time wins over some over some opponents. I mean, Navy's Navy's won nine games this year. Um, lost in lost in the championship game that they hosted last week in the American Athletic Conference. Uh, Matt Rule, who uh, became the new head coach at Purdue, um, you know, is leading that charge. And you know, we look at Navy and what they've done under. On a Ken Niamatolo, I mean, he just brought a passion, a passion to Navy football that I don't think anybody's seen since the days of Roger Staubach. I mean, I mean that's just that's just that's just being for real. I mean, you haven't seen that kind of excitement for for Navy football in a long time. Army football, Army six and five this year. Um, I mean, they are they are doing things that's just that's just as good as we've seen in a long time, and I'm really excited for for this game. And you know, this is actually one one of my um, bucket list items as well. You know, I, I've always I want to go to an Army Navy game because I just want to see the precision in the Corps cadets and the midshipmen, as they walk into the field and they go into their seats in the stands, and then just watch them let loose and just have a whole bunch of fun. You know, it, it's just have fun and just be just carefree. You know, for that three and a half hours where you see the army, you see the army football players, you see the navy football players. You know, go go head to head with each other, and then at the end of the game, become brothers in arms again, because they know that, you know, some of them are probably gonna be playing the last football game of their life. You know, some of them are probably going to be going straight into combat after this game. Some people are probably, some of the guys are probably going to be going into into other aspects of life. You know, after after this game. Um, other training, other things. I mean, you've got you've got like Army Navy is it's a different thing, you know, for everybody. And for me, Army Navy has always been that game that should have a week of its own. And and I'm so glad that that the NCAA has decided to make the Army Navy game a weekend by itself because 
this is a showcase of what real of what our boys, eighteen to twenty-two year old kids, do when they go to these service academies. This is a showcase of that, and it's more than just football for those guys. It's more. This is more than just football. This is this is their lives now, you know. And they look. They, they have to look at life beyond football. And a lot of people, a lot of people just don't. I mean, it's it's a great thing to see. I mean, it's a spectacle, and I and I really hope that I get to see that one day. I mean, I really do. I just. I'll say this when I I remember the first time I ever sat down to watch an Army Navy game, and um, College Game Day was there, um, and it was one of the first one of the first shows that they did on location, like on the road. And um, I remember there was an ESPN camera in the stadium, and they they were showing the Corps cadets, and they were showing them they were showing the Corps cadets walk in. And each, I mean, it was so imprecision. I mean, they they were in a straight line. Everybody's in a straight line. Everybody was just in formation. And um, I remember the court. I remember the the, uh, the midshipmen walking in, and they're in perfect formation, you know. And I just remember just seeing one half of field with army guy with you know. Of Corps cadets, and I see the other side that were midshipmen, and I'm just like, I'm just like, wow, you know, how awesome is this, you know? And then you see some of these guys before the game, the football players before the game. I think they knew that this was like, the, like some of them knew that this was the last time they were ever going to play football again. And um, I remember, I remember seeing a couple guys. You know, they're standing at attention at the flag, but you can see their, you can see their, their, their tears start flowing down their faces, and and you just don't know what they were thinking, but. They just knew that, I mean, I think a lot of them knew it was their last time that they were going to listen to the National Anthem play before a football game or the last time that they'll ever put on the pageantry. And that's what, for me, that's what, that's where I fell in love with football, just watching watching the pageantry of the Army-Navy game. So, the Army Navy game is more than just a football game. And these are guys who I said they're gonna be fighting for our freedoms and, and everything at the end of it. Because this is what that's what they do. That's what they signed up for. You can't get any better than that. You really can't. But you know, I love I love like I said I love the Army Navy game and um, uh, when I talk about the Army Navy game I talk about it in such in such a way because 
the Army Navy game deserves that due. And not only does it deserve that due, but when you love, when, you, when there's a love for your country, and there's also a love for your sport, for the sport, and that's the, what they that's what they do. They they play for the love of the sport, and they're in the, those service academies for the love of their country. And it's such a, it's such a, like I said, it's such a honor and a privilege to watch this game because those are guys that are fighting for our freedoms. And if anything, we deserve, they deserve to have this stage by themselves. And for those who don't understand what Navy's about, don't understand what Army's about, their football their football teams, what they're about. Watch this game here. You're going to see from one to the last whistle. You're going you're gonna to see 44 men out there on that field that are going to give you everything they got for 48 minutes. Even when one team the other team's not going to give up. The other team's not going to back down. And that's just the way that that goes. No love, like I said, it's just a love for the sport. They respect the sport like they respect their, they respect their, their, like they respect their own. And I want you to watch this game from beginning to end. Because I want you to watch the emotions on those guys' faces before the game. I want you to watch and see the guys who are about to give their last bit, every the last bit of everything they got. And I want you to watch those guys who knows that this is the it, this is the end for them, and just watch the looks on their face. Look for the looks on their face. Look at every play, and look and look and just look and see the emotions in every play. Whether it's a touchdown, whether it's a sack, something. You're going to see pure emotion. And it is the purest emotion. And I'm just going to tell you, man, ain't nothing like it. Nothing like it. You know, I got a few minutes left here, and, um, you know, state football playoffs are, are today as well. Georgia state championship games are here in Georgia tonight. And um, I want to say a special congratulations to the Rome High School Wolves. Uh, Rome won their first ever state championship as Rome High School um, last night, um, beating Buford High School uh, 17-7. Um, the reason why this is so nostalgic for me in a sense is because the very first high school football game I ever saw in while I was here in Georgia was 
was the wrong football game. And I cannot remember who they played. But yeah, I wanna say I wanna say it was Roman Troop. I I, I do. Um but I remember Rome playing Troop one year. I also remember um one of my first high school football games. Uh, I wanna say it was Roman Troop that played. And um Nineteen eighty-seven. It was a, it was early season. Nineteen eighty-seven. I, I remember that much. I remember going into Callaway Stadium that night, my very first time. And I said, "I'm gonna be playing here when I get older." And I ended up playing there twenty. I ended up playing there uh, <laughs> twenty uh, twenty-five times. Um, I ended up playing at Callaway Stadium twenty-five different times. And um, you know, as a ninth grader playing ninth grade football, as a tenth grader playing JV and varsity football. Um, I got to play in that stadium a few times. I got to play in that stadium a few times, and uh, there's nothing like playing in Callaway Stadium. It's really, it's really not. I mean, especially if you live in Lagrange, Georgia. If you live in, the, if you live in Troop County, uh, like I do, um, there's nothing like playing at Lagrange at, at Callaway Stadium, in Lagrange, Georgia. The only thing that would probably have been better if if we had our own football field and. Uh, Hopefully that hopefully that happens pretty soon. Um, you know, true true high school, McGranch High School, we all get our own stadiums, you know. Hopefully that happens. I really hope that happens. But um you know, like I said, man, I mean, like, everybody go out and support like I said, um, Rome High School first ever state championship as a unified high school. And I wanna say it was West Rome against against um Against Troop, I, I really that's what I want to. That's why I really want to say it was West Rome against Troop. Um, there were two. There were like Rome High School was wasn't Rome High School until '92, and um, Rome Rome it was West Rome and East Rome, and um, I just remember I just remember one of those Rome schools coming down, and I think they actually beat Troop too. Um, Glad to beat Troop kind of soundly, if I'm not mistaken. I mean, I was six years old at the time, so I mean, I could be wrong about that, but <laughs> um, I'm I'm pretty sure it was West Rome though. And uh, I just remember being at Callaway Stadium and and watching those guys play, and they playing for the passion and playing for the passion of sport and. You look at Army Navy. You look at you look at you look at these smaller classifications. You look at everything you know that these some of these guys do. Like some of these guys, they know they're not going to play high school. They're not going to play football again. Especially those those who are in high school that you know that hadn't been recruited. You know, hadn't done anything. You know, anything special. They just. You know, it's just it's just a special thing. You know, you, you get so excited about those things, and you know, watching the watching those Rome fans. I mean, the 25th year of Rome High School being open, and you see the fans from each from each one of those schools that were prior to them, and you watch the fans now, the schools that are together. 
the, the kids that are they're in the same schools together now. Floyd County is, is on the map. I mean, whether it's Cartersville, whether it's Rome, I mean, Rome winning a 5A state championship, I mean, in a crazy classification in Georgia. You know, playing Buford the way that they did, beating Buford um, defensively. I mean, and watching that head coach get excited, watching him get emotional, it makes it that's what makes everything go around. And um, also, I just want to say good luck to my former head coach, uh, Rob Ridings. His Thompson Bulldogs play uh, Cartersville today. Cartersville, 29 game winning streak. Uh, also, um, number one junior quarterback in the nation in um, Trevor Lawrence, who is possibly going to make a verbal um, in the new year. And a lot of people are thinking he's going to make a verbal to to Georgia. Um, Clemson's also in the mix. Auburn's also in the mix. Um, but and also, um, also good luck to John Ford of Roswell High School. Um, John Coach Ford and I actually had a nice talk at the Corky Kill Classic, and uh, he is a good guy. He's he's one of the truly good guys in the sport. Um, leading Roswell, Sheldon Evans, and those guys up there, Malik Willis. Um, Malik Lewis, that Malik Willis, and that that vaunted defense up there for Roswell against a good Grayson team. You know, Clemson Brown quarterback Chase Bryce, uh, Jamias um Williams, who's who's on his way to NC State, um, and that great defense there. I mean, you got some great players on that team as well. Um, just like I said, I'm just really excited to see. See the state championships. I'm really excited for Army Navy. Really excited about the boxing matchups that we have coming up tonight. And for some ungodly reason, I mean, I'm just, I'm just excited. And uh, I want everybody to just be careful um, going out and doing things. I know basketball season is in, is uh, starting to get in full swing. So uh, I know some of you guys are going to be out going to basketball games and. I just want y'all to be careful, you know, and um, support your local high schools. And, you know, we're going to get up out of here. Have a great weekend again. And just be careful. Um, Talk to you next week. Let's go tailgating. Yeah, man. Hey, yo, T, I think, uh, I think we can keep this one slow. Make it easy to ride to. Yeah. You know, sometimes I look around and I think, like, maybe I am out here on my own. Yeah. Gotta find something. Oh, I can't? But I can try, right? 